Hello, welcome uh, once again to EVE Online Talking in Stations. I am Madderall, News Chief for the Matani.com. Talking in Stations is a show for EVE players about the news going on inside of EVE Online. We talk about politics and what's happening in the game. Uh, we have a great show lined up for you today. We have some economic experts and uh, we're also going to cover FanFest. So uh, stay tuned and we'll go ahead and start introductions with Ashtarathi. Hey, I am Ashrathi. I am a writer for Crossing Zebras, as well as um, on several podcasts, including Hydrostatic and Hydrag. Awesome. And this one. And this one. Uh, Drayden Trevere, I'm in uh, Multiplex Gaming Corp in uh, The Bastion, and also from... Uh... Shit, what's our show? <laughs> <laughs> Open Cop Show on Thursdays. Solid opening. Nice. Eric. Hey, it's Dirk McGurk from uh, MPX Gaming Corp and the Bastion Alliance and the Open Com Show and Talking in Stations and This Week in New Eden and Probably <laughs> next week something from the Neocom. <laughs> okay, so uh, our guest today, uh, someone who went to FanFest and has a blog and also looks like he's part of EVE University is Neville Smith. Yeah, I'm Neville Smith. I'm former director of EVE University. I'm now a Space Hippie and the uh, uh, Signal Cartel. Excellent. Love Signal Cartel. Minxie's one of my favorite players. Okay, uh, we, and financial experts today, we have Lockfox. Hey, uh, I'm Lockfox. I'm on the Prosper Market Show. That's uh, your weekly look into all of the market news. You can find it at Eve Prosper on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, and we have a blog that hasn't updated in a while. Thanks. And joining us from the, uh, I guess they'll uh, I'll have them explain the lounge, is uh, Caleb. Hi, I'm Caleb Aranya. I represent the SCC lounge and by that the MD forums. And I have uh, a website um, that you can find if you catch me on Slack. So we don't have to plug everything. And I'm also the proprietor and editor of the Eve Guardian. That's right, and finally we have Rivra. Hey, I'm Rivra. I station trade in Dida, and I chat in the lounge, so you can find me in there and hanging out with Caleb. Hey, Locke, I got a, I got a market question for you. Uh, right sell. Yeah, I wish I could. <laughs> to yeah. me, for like 10% under market. Awesome. We'll get to uh, some interesting economic news and market news in just a few minutes, but first we want to cover the big story of the, well actually this major stories, right? Because FanFest just happened and right on the heels of FanFest was the new expansion. Um, so let's first go to FanFest and Neville, do you want to start us off and tell us like, um, you know, how it was? Uh, as usual, it was awesome. This is my fifth FanFest. Uh, we had about 2,000 people there, and if you've never been to FanFest, you don't know what you're missing. 
Uh, the biggest draw, of course, is the opportunity to talk to your fellow space nerds and, you know, basically terrorize uh, Reykjavik for a, a few days and drink entirely too much and have too good a time. So uh, I encourage everyone who plays EVE, seriously, should go to uh, FanFest at least once in their life. I went once and thought it would just be a one-off thing, and the fifth, this fifth one uh, was one of the best, no doubt about it. Um, Citadel's very clearly was the dominant theme. But uh, there was a, a lot of other news that went there, so, so it was a fantastic time for everybody. Yeah, it's great. Everybody seemed to be having a good time when you look at the, uh, all the Twitter chatter and uh, you know, Facebooks that were coming out. Well, you guys, uh, none of the rest of us went to Facebook, but does somebody want to talk about the coverage on live stream? FanFest? All of us yeah, went yeah. to Facebook. I'm well, sorry. I, I don't use Facebook, <laughs> Facebook anymore. <laughs> but uh, we did We did not go to FanFest. Uh, any of you want to talk about what the stream coverage is like? Yeah. I, well, first of all, I want to say that the stream coverage seemed to have been at a quality significantly higher than we have seen in previous years. Um, you know, one of the things about EVE uh, or CCP as a company is that there's, they're pretty notorious for having you know technical glitches and and hangups in their in their broadcasting but it you know i don't remember any actual major uh problems throughout the entire stream so technically speaking the stream was really good the downside was that they they actually didn't stream nearly as much as i think that they have in the past or what i would expect um there was a lot of things that apparently happened at fanfest that weren't streamed and that weren't recorded um, which I'm well, kind of some of those shouldn't about. have been, but that's that's true. Right. But I mean, like a lot of there there are panels and like for instance, uh, you know, not to plug it too much because it's after the fact, but you know, like Makoto Priano had a, a, a apparently a really good drifter panel, and it'd be nice for that to be, you know, able to be seen as, uh, even after the fact. Has it come out on YouTube? I loved um, I loved the way that uh, Neville's colleague Spanky was basically stealing the show in the in the streams. That was awesome. Was he photo bombing or something? No, he, no, was, he was one of the moderators. Yeah, he was one of the moderators. Uh, they invited a number of players to be moderators. So Sindel was one. Uh, Spanky was one. I forget who the other two were, but Rain, uh, uh, Rain, Rain, Chocolate, Chocolate Rain. Yeah, and um, uh, I can't remember the last one. Sorry. From that show with no name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I am. I, I am wondering who that was. Yo, one of the things I noticed this year, or at least I think I noticed it, and correct me if I'm wrong. In previous streams of FanFest, I don't remember them um, going to going to a blank screen as much. Um, I, I remember there being um, the, you know, these interview things and whatnot that kind of carried you from one session to the next session. Yeah, this year the, uh, the frozen screen with just the pictures seemed to last a lot longer than in the previous years. Yeah, okay. All right, then I wasn't noticing something. Yeah, yeah, which which I thought was odd. I don't know why they, I don't know why they had to do that. Well, also, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, the reason for that was because in prior years they had a mobile crew that would go around and do interviews. They didn't do that. They they had one set. They brought the O seven you know show set, and they all just stayed there. So there was no mobile crew to kind of fill the gap. I don't know the slick. Uh, I, I did enjoy the 07 set right there, which I thought was a step up from the sort of director chairs they've done in the past. Yeah, I think that it was the correct. Uh, I think it was the correct decision, but yeah, it had that effect. Yeah, do well, you no. sort of wish that they had sort of a B team catching some of the other side 
panels because uh, I don't think many of the player presentations made it to the stream. I unfortunately did not get to tune into much of it. Well, uh, several people in the chat, uh, including Noisy Gamer, has said that um, several of the other panels were actually filmed that weren't on the stream, so they should be popping up. And I, I did actually see a bunch of them dropped on the uh, YouTube channel today, so uh, I'm still going to have to sift through them all. Well, that, that's pretty good they did that, but I mean, is because uh, I mean, in the last couple of Vegases that uh, that I've been to, they they did a similar thing because I mean, they can only show one uh discussion on twitch unless they have two twitch channels but then again that now you have to pick like which one do you want to watch it's kind of like two stages at like you know the the big concerts or whatever but uh the thing i don't know if they do that intentionally as like a incentive or like a bonus for the people that actually went or if it's just merely they don't want to have you know as many cameras although if you said they they filmed the side ones and they'll just put them on youtube later that's actually a pretty good idea too well, it's a logistical I, I, thing that you can only broadcast to one oh. channel on Twitch, and that means they have to have CCP2, and uh, there's a bunch of other logistical things that make that more difficult, so I, I sort of understand. Reva? Yeah, I was very disappointed that they didn't uh, show the structures roundtable, seeing as the uh, Citadels were due out three days after FanFest, so it would have been really good to be able to uh, listen in or watch the uh, structures roundtable. Actually, let's talk about the content for a minute, because I think you... You raise a good point. Um, this may have technically been kind of their best, and I think it was, and I even think their presentations were probably as, as, as fine as they've ever been, uh, but the content I found was uh, a little bit lacking. But I want to go to Neville first because he wrote uh, a lot of great stuff in his blog, and if you haven't seen it, we'll put it up on screen now. Yeah, I, I have to say the opening day uh, keynotes, for me at least, were a big disappointment, and it really... We talked about it pretty extensively when we were there, and it's really kind of CCP's own doing. If they had saved up, as they have done you know, in past years, all of the news about Citadels and not released it over a period of time in dev blogs and, and you know, chats and so forth and so on, it would have been the most amazing reveal ever, and we'd all just be blown away. And it would have been uh, unbelievable. But because we, we knew all of that in advance and we actually saw the keynote, there wasn't a lot of news. You know, In fact, um, the Structures Roundtable, which I attended, I was very disappointed in. When you actually see the recording, and I'm sure it will eventually be posted, you're going to find out that they didn't really say anything that we don't already know. So there's not a lot uh, there was not a lot of news there and that was probably the only bad thing about fanfest this year is that uh we already knew all the big news before we actually walked into the sessions yeah it, it did kind of seem that the announcements were all running up to this fanfest there was i don't think even if they had a bunch of stuff to announce they were going to because they don't want to take the attention off what's about to hit it, it would send a mixed message i think well i mean back back in the day of of expansions right and and obviously this is a, this is an expansion but it's not coming at what we would have normally attributed the normal expansion time um they would have done much bigger reveals because it was still you know a month and a half typically away from when when the summer expansion would have come um this is the new era of of um you're getting information as you go along um which is what we've wanted we didn't We've talked so negatively over time about them mismanaging player expectations by putting up a whole bunch of sizzle and not. And when the steak finally hits the plate, it's you know it's a little tiny burger. You know, yeah, it's, it's the not first the steak year, right? It's it the first year we get that that we that we get the, the 
change in policy, that they're switching it. So now they're keeping it to themselves instead of getting out too early with information. So it's, you've talked about this on many shows now, Dirk, that it's yeah. a total switch. Well, and this is what we've been asking for, though. I mean, now, does that take away from something like a fan fest? Um, E-Vegas obviously had had some reveal information that came out there, right? Because that was several months before all this. We started to hear more about Capitals there and Citadels as well there. Um, here, yeah, the stuff is coming out four days after FanFest or five days after FanFest was over. Um, but I think that what what's bigger is they didn't kind of have that big future thing attached to it either. So while we knew that Citadel was coming because it is the here and now, there wasn't anything that really kind of wet the whistle about the future other than, and this will continue on because we have so much longer to go on structures. Well, and that's, yeah. that's definitely the spot that, that I wanted to hit on is that um, we knew about Citadels. You're exactly right. And this was a great chance to blow the top off and be like, and, and get Siegel up there to do her, her wonderful. And here is the 18 month dream and it's going to be amazing. And, tie into all the other IPs. Uh, that's that's kind of what I came to expect. And instead, we kind of got the, we're still delivering on what we were doing. And that's not really the hype that FanFest is supposed to give us. Yeah, Locke, you're absolutely right. In fact, I have to be honest, that part of the presentation pissed me off. And the reason is she threw up the rather vague timeline that we've seen a million times. She put up a line that bisected down the middle of it and said, we're about there. No, it changes, each, it changes things, each time, right? doesn't it? There was two things that, that made up for that, right? The the first appearance of Ghost and the first appearance of uh, Maria Sagan. Yeah, well, we'll, right. we'll get to Ghost in just a second. But you, you're right, Neville, that the, she put up a, an all-new visual on where we were. None of the three have matched. They're all different. I guess because the roadmap is constantly changing because the priorities shift. But uh, it really didn't say much. No, the point is, is that it's still very vague. And I, like you, Dirk, I was looking forward to say to seeing some more clarity around. And they don't have to be give a specific time frame, but where are they headed next? I mean, there was not a lot of new news. In fact, there was a lot of reluctance on the part of all the devs that were there to share anything beyond the Citadel expansion release. Uh, we they there was there was a lot of it, it was gray and it was deliberately uh, done that way. You got the you got the feeling that they were all briefed in advance. Don't overcommit. Don't say anything that could be misinterpreted. You know. And in fact, I also got the feeling that some of them were holding it. You know, it's like they had something interesting to say at E Vegas down the line. So yep. You know, maybe that was the strategy. Well, well I, it, it, I guess the question is, what would you rather be? Would you rather be hyped now? And potentially disappointed later or maybe we're just so used to the hype that we're a little bit disappointed now but our but our expectations are in line with reality so yeah, exactly that's what what i got from this that, that this time around i didn't get to be jumpy in my seat right i didn't get to go oh my god this is going to be huge so the underwhelming thing might actually be very healthy for not making too much drama and stirring players uh, expectations I mean, as far, as far as the timeline goes, right, the thing that I was kind of looking for there is I know that we still have quite a bit of time left in this whole, as these structures play out and things like that, right? Um, I'm just not sure what the glimmer is past that. 
Um, and, and, and I'm not asking for like a lot of details. I'm not asking for you to promise me something that is not going to happen. Um, but, but let us know that, Hey, guess what? And there is something else out there that's going to affect all of you in a way that, uh, a hint. Well, as far as a new expansion, so now that they're back on this large expansion every so often, as opposed to, well, they're not constant up, they're back on an expansion as needed. Oh, as needed? They're not, like, just scheduling it again? Like, no, no, no. No, they specifically didn't schedule another expansion, so there is no scheduled ex- oh. expansion for this year. Or That's kind there of sad, is no actually. scheduled expansion right now. Uh, there was one well, other thing, too. Throws my about, point out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there's no... Yeah, I'm sorry. That's, I, that I, I was with you. I was expecting a big, a big, you know, hoo-ha around what's the next expansion, and there wasn't any. It was kind of a letdown. And the other thing, too, and I wrote about this in my blog... All the news was about HiSec. I'm sorry, about NullSec. There was nothing for HiSec. There was nothing for Wormholes. There was nothing for LowSec. Nothing for Faction Warfare. There was nothing for people like me who don't play principally in NullSec. The NullSecers had a lot to talk about. It was great. They loved it. You know, but for the rest of us, even in the breakout sessions, there was really not a lot other than bumping. Big freaking deal. So, you know, that was it. Well, well, let, me cha- let me challenge you a little themselves. bit. Do do play into and sorry, yes. Matterall, but you know, no, that's my point. This, Go ahead. Yeah, the Citadels themselves do play in, do play very much into high. Just something that we're going to get into, you know, to, you know tonight in conversation. Obviously, um, I, you know, I think that the storyline behind what they mean to null and what capital changes mean to null and you know maybe elements of low sec and things like that ends up being bigger. But the significance of them on 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 high sec is is potentially quite game-changing, depending on what players end up doing with them. Yeah, no, but could you also I, say that, that Null has now gotten such a big change and, and so much focus on the roadmap that it's very likely that then anything that's new is going to be focused on, and again, we're pointing to CCP Coast, uh, the whole thing with the player experience and the fact that we might actually see next year being the major rollout on the new brands and integration and law and I think personally I suspect that we might see something like rekindling some of the walking stations concept not like it was but something in that direction um, I would say that yeah they're not doing any big expansions but we have got in autumn we've got the uh, industrial structures coming and that could potentially change a lot of stuff for all areas of sec and then we've got in winter the um drilling platforms coming which could again make major changes depending on what they do with moon mining and how it affects mining and other resource collection stuff i still feel like all those industries and ash you can go right after me i'm sorry i'll let you go in front of me except i'll lose my point (laughs) uh it just seems that everything still is in support of PvP and the majority of PvP being uh, in NullSec. It just feels like everything's now geared for this arcade-ish style action game that really wasn't EVE. It's everything else, but but it's not necessarily what EVE was like. Yeah, so I think there's two problems when it comes to evaluating this this FanFest. First of all, uh, I'd like to remind everybody that especially starting last FanFest, like, excuse me, people keep kind of going back to this idea of like, the epics arcs and telling us years in advance and all these features that never come up. Like that's the old fan fest starting, I think last year or maybe the year before that CCB Siegel had a very strong thing where nobody was allowed to talk about anything that they didn't expect to happen that year because 
you know, restoring faith in things that are talked about in FanFest was a really important goal, um, especially at that time. And we saw a continuation of doing so this year. Unfortunately, um, that means, well, on the other side of that, we understand the stuff that we're talking about now a lot more, given the fact that, you know, we've now seen how Citadels work. So when they say industrial platforms, we get that. We we understand like 90% of it because it's just a Citadel based around industry. So it's like a shorthand. The, 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 the presentation doesn't have as much impact because we already kind of understand it, even though its actual impact in the game may be huge. Um, and in the, the other note was uh, that it really sucks that they had to try to tell us their grand vision a week before the biggest change in EVE in the last like three or four years because the god honest truth is they don't know. Depending on how Citadels works will greatly change their strategy for the next year or two. And you can see that in the fact that their entire their entire summer their big dedication for summer is just uh, fixing anything that's wrong with citadels. It was a citadel relook, and so, so obviously they're expecting the next period of time to be basically making sure that this is happening or this works well. Which obviously is a version of CCP over the CCP that we've had in the past, who's been like, "Here's your feature. What you don't like about it? Maybe we'll see it again in five years." No, Ash, you're totally right, I, and um, and I think that's very responsible of um, of CCP. But I still, as a player and going there, I wanted to hear more about fixing PVE and making it better. I wanted to hear more about you know, faction warfare and making it a four-way split. I wanted to hear more about the lore and how it's being integrated into the game. I really, I wanted to hear about possible changes to mining and all the things that we have to kind of grind through. We heard but, none of that. None of have, that. I think, no, have you contacted it, your council of stellar management representative? <laughs> but don't, don't you think that the, the, the dev hours that's been invested, it's been really rushy, right, to get it out properly. So that so the dev hours go, is going to be used for all those things that Neville is talking about because they're going to be loosened up and, and this you don't need as much work as they've done already on, on, on structures. Most uh, of it is, is kind of done. Max, totally, disagree. totally Max agree, agrees but, with Astarathi, by the way. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, yeah. but, but here's the point. They could have said that. They could have said, and this is how it could be used in high second. This is how it could be used in low. Even though you're absolutely right and we know it has major impact, it was as if that if you weren't in null, you were basically ignored. That was the impression that we got. Well, in, in the Siegel era, there is no way that they're going to risk another monument episode. No way. But, but I think they are. They would be totally silent about anything they're doing, then risk that again, because that was so close to killing well, I think it's actually it's actually the wrong direction, but yeah, I shouldn't say it that way, but uh, you're going to get a monument problem if everybody else is ignored and just people who are PvPing night after night after night. Because those guys burn out, I think. I don't think they stick around. It's the social, the long investment that actually works for EVE. Otherwise, we're just like a second-rate MOBA. I'm going to make sure. Uh, I want to point out that historically, big presentations have been PvP centric because they're the blingiest. And historically, industrial quality of life and those kinds of changes basically get announced like in between patches. So we get those things, but they don't get prime time because 
it's not the glitter. It's not the glitz. And we're not being cool fair to CCP uh, because if, if you look at the, what's changed over the last two years, how the idea and, and of actually integrating player stories with Andrew Groban and, and all these things, it's become a, a new normal for CCP to integrate with the players, make us the focus. And this is something that's taken a long time to actually get them to do. This is a huge thing. And they are trying to figure out how to do that properly with a few mistakes with naming wars and backdrops for characters and stuff like that. But, but they are yeah, doing and, gi and giving an old alliance name to somebody. <laughs> well, breaking that up. Look, look, no, you know, the, the whole Nullsec, all of these changes that, that were, um, I guess, initiated because of stagnation in Nullsec. You have to remember that had gone on for a number of years. This is taking far longer than the, than what, well, I'm going to say what I thought, but what I thought think doesn't matter. I think it's taking far longer than what they thought it was going to take. Or it, the whole fact that it's taking so long goes to show you just how much that they've had to change in the back end coding. Pauses were something that they never would have touched, right? And they didn't. They had to go and completely reinvent what you know what structures were going to be about in the future. Um, the problem that we face and why maybe we've been hearing nullsec, nullsec, nullsec for what seems like so long now um, is that we're going to continue hearing nullsec, nullsec, nullsec for what seems like so long because it's just not finished yet. Dirk, but what Dirk, it I, is... I, Dirk, I agree, but you know, nullsec is less than 15% of the player base. Agreed. You know, I mean, what about the rest of us? Seriously, I think... Well, those we are all alts. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I mean, I, I do think they wanted to get uh, Citadels out before FanFest, ideally. So then they could say, yeah, we've made these really cool structures. Here's the crazy things you guys have done with them. Uh, we look forward to bringing you the next lot, and here they are. And then it just seems that it wasn't ready in time. So when they decided it would be the week after FanFest, there was a lot of feeling that, you know, FanFest was going to be a bit of an anticlimax because, yeah, we know what's coming and we can't get all excited about it. Because yeah, we're just waiting now. I mean, you know, and, and we shouldn't forget the fact that there there actually has been a lot of stuff that wasn't specific to to Nullsec over the course of the last twelve months. I mean, all of this lore stuff that was out there, all of the Drifter stuff and everything. Um, you know, you, you go back to say the Cryus changes. I mean, those were not just about Nullsec. You did end up having something that happened later on. You know, in terms of terms of Nullsec industry and some rebalancing and you know in terms of mining and things like that but there are these other things even when there are those things that are related to to other parts of space okay they don't get the chatter they don't get the talk that the 15 percent of players who are supposedly from Nullsec create and I'm only going to say that's the way that the history of Eve has been the vocal part of eve comes out of this big giant player driven saga that goes on out there yeah because it's a bad posting war should, should we focus on, on how they rolled out these events dark right these events have been inclusive with the players telling player stories competition on gathering most of a thing that you then get your name mentioned for it's been very much that new vision of telling the player stories and that's so new and they need to get used to doing that and figure out how to do that because that is that, that is kind of a meta pve really right it's not actually pvp related at all you you're taking part in these things and and then they are telling the stories about the players inside the law that's yep. new i've not that's... seen that at all before no yes. you're right ne Caleb. neville 
Yeah, and, and in fact, I'll tell you, I went to the roundtable. I was very impressed by CCP Ghost. You're absolutely right. Uh, and I went to the roundtable discussion, which unfortunately was not recorded. Um, but this idea of hooking players by sucking them into their own story and making them part of the story of Eve, right right out of the bat when they're a new player, is something that that he gets it. He understands. And by the way, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go to NullSec to be, have a creative player story. That could be anywhere in the in the game in any kind of space. So um, I was very encouraged by that, uh, by what he had to say in his point of view. And I and I think they're really going to do some things to get people much more engaged in Eve a lot faster, regardless of where it is that they decide to play. Yeah, let's talk about CCP Ghost if we can right now. What do you guys think? He well, apparently has a brain. <laughs> I was blown away. Uh, it was the first thing I did after that. Uh, after the whole fanfest was uh, was was over, it was actually rip the segment that he was in and put it up in uh, alone. So uh, he touched upon some of the things that should have been in five, six years ago. We should have had someone like him long ago. Yeah, this is uh, CCP Ghost is actually one of the reasons why I'm. I was really surprised to hear some of the feedback that I've been hearing about, you know, the not high sex stuff or whatever, because, you know, you're, you see this idea of emerging stories come up, you know, the president of Iceland even says, you know, talking about telling stories, this, this, this statement of telling stories was repeated so many times over FanFest. It has to mean something. It's, it's a refocus towards that. And he specifically said that these stories come from the empires and uh, this matches some of the uh, some of the notes that like CCB Affinity and others were saying in E Vegas, where they really want to expand upon our relationship with the pirate factions and kind of allow our interactions with the empires to be more interesting. But here's the problem: if if CCB Siegel comes out there and says, you know, Nullsec was last year, this year is the year of PVE, then you know, people would have a riot. And so what do you do? You say, well, you know, you, you list all of your achievements and all that stuff. And then you say things like, okay, at the end of the year, there's going to be this huge mining uh, and industry thing that's going to come out. That's a pretty good chance to overhaul that stuff. And also there's going to be a lot of stuff with the Serpentis and pirate faction titans and all that stuff. There's probably going to be something involving, you know, ramp up to that. I hope that they're not just going to be like, lol, and now the blueprint drops and that's it, you know. So there's hints to it, but you know it is true that you do have to kind of put on some tinfoil and read between the lines to see it because of the fact that it's not very popular stuff. And and quite honestly, with our community that we have, I disagree. I disagree a lot. Yeah, Carter, well, because well, because well, you, you say that it's not interesting. It will be interesting when we start looking at at the new brands, at the VR, at the uh, potential of integrating the brands into the whole Eve law and the uh, and the universe. The fact that we already get that. There's going to be a player named uh, monument from the event in Valkyrie, right? So, so this is definitely going to be interesting. It's not going to be uh, maybe the main thing for the very null centric and PvP uh, centric players, but it's going to pull a whole new segment of players to Eve, and a lot of them were the ones that left back in '09 or '10. I absolutely agree with that. That sounded like I, a mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, um, well, first of all, achievers will seek out achievements. And so you don't, like, as long as the achievements are available and people are talking about it, the achievers will hunt them down. So, um, you know, that's good. I'm just saying that, like, 
during the presentation, you see this sort of stuff. And, and to me, I see that there's going to be uh, a pretty significant PVE overhaul, uh, especially with working with the AI and all that stuff, unless those projects were abandoned, which last I checked that they hadn't. But, um, you know, there's a pretty good trend towards that sort of content. It just wasn't highly showcased at the keynote. Uh, Neville, can I ask you, what was the mood of people at FanFest about the content, not just partying with each other, but... Understand the mood was positive. I mean, Citadels are great. It doesn't matter what space you play in or what you, you, know, what you like to do in EVE. Uh, everyone's very excited about that. Um, I, the, but there, there was this feeling that we just wanted to kind of do more. We wanted to know what the next step was. What's, what's the next 18 months look like? and at least a little bit more detail, uh, or at least in some big chunks. And we did not get that. We didn't get it in the roundtables. Everyone was holding things very close to the vest. So, uh, And to CCP's credit, I think they really wanted to hold it back so that they didn't set expectations, as Dirk said, and then have us all complain about it you know, a year from now. So, uh, But it was, uh, it was a little disappointing, candidly, in that regard. Well, I think it's, uh, it's, it's now actually a CCP phobia. The CCP are dreading looking into anything regarding player events on a major scale that has impact due to the T20 event, of course. And they have a huge phobia when it comes to talking about things like ambulation, law, uh, with any meaningful impact. Like, most of the law is just disconnected from anything game mechanic you're not winning anything from it you're just looking at it like a picture well we right? just had a tournament that was based on lore but that might be a something that's kind of few and far between it does well, seem like been fairly it's several events all of which or most of which have had some sort of competition or you know but they're but they're window dressing on an event that's gonna like a little mechanics gonna happen anyway like a mini game they're not like getting t2 bpos that's my point well that's just a yeah that's a bigger investment but I wonder if, like, uh, you know, this thing with Ghost reminds me that uh, choosing a race has no consequence. And, Ash, you've talked about this at length. Like, and I think in Eve Vegas, we were in that room together when we were talking about how the, the, the seasoning and the history of Eve isn't even inside the game. Like, systems don't have a history. You don't know that this is the big battle where Bob was, like, you know, sealed off and couldn't uh, get out of their pos and stuff. Like, none of the history of Eve is actually written into the game like so it doesn't feel like it there's a disconnect there yeah the, the, it's even misleading like right character creation because i know when i first very first time i came into this game and i, I made a caldari guy because i was looking at all the different races it gives you like the background on the types of races and then like the the three sub races in in those and so i, I picked mine specifically because i'm like oh yeah i want the big corporate machine oligarchy oppressive empire that's what i want to play as and then i got in the game I'm like oh that actually does that has no bearing it has nothing to do with it. I, I, it's just like how my character looks that's all that matters oh, come throw... on. you can't expect people who are coming in fresh to actually know what that know all that stuff means and stick with that to no but the archetype years. you know the archetype you know and you're kind of like cool i get to play this kind of i get to immerse myself right, as well, this kind I, of character yeah, i mean i didn't know how eve worked but i was figuring like maybe the maybe there's like some passive skill because i mean i i i've played wow i've played some other mmos before i'm like there's some passive skill that affects this some way and, and i got in the game and it's like i don't know everyone's the exact same it's just the few starting frigate the 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 frigate race class you start with and how your character looks that's literally all that matters when you create your character so that right off the bat, so, a few standing ball. it's a feature it's it's a feature of the it's sandbox standing. well Caleb yeah, I want to throw a question blank. I want to no, throw can, a question just comment on, on, sure. on because I think that's really important the fact that they nerfed and flattened the races 
uh, it's a huge mistake because there was n never in Eve any sort of feeling of being locked into a race, even though you had a benefit in a specific branch. So the whole thing with the uh, majority of players choosing Kaldari in the early beginning because of missiles and uh, aggression, that's just a flavor that ne leveled out later on as people trained up. It's perfectly fair and valid that you choose a race, get, get some benefits from that, so you get a head start, and then it levels out later on. I think that was a perfect design, and I think it's a very big mistake to remove that. I think I yeah. disagree the strongest possible because we got to live with these characters for ten years, and that's that's a that's a big that's a big uh, pill to swallow when you're coming in fresh and you're like I yeah, don't but, even know if I'm going to stay past the trial. Well, it, it, well no, but hold on a second. You're not getting anything. It's not we... an advantage at all. At all, it, it levels out in like a month too. You're just having a small head start. Well, There's we also we it. also live. Like we also lived for a very long time with very permanent things. Your corp history was permanent. Your skills were permanent. Like there was, your clone was permanent. Like all that stuff meant your something. Your attributes were permanent. Your attributes, yeah, before you could re you know, move them around and stuff. So that permanence actually was something that kind of locked in decisions and that created a richness. You made mistakes. Your mistakes were still there, scars forever. But that is all being unraveled. Uh, well, and, 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 oh, sorry, go ahead if you're. No, if, go ahead. I finished. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, and, and what Law Fox said, and, and someone in chat just mentioned that too about, you know, possibly being locked in for a long time based on the very first choice you have in the game, which you may regret later on. But that, I almost, I like that because it make it it puts weight on that decision, and it actually like, you know, whether you like it or not, it provides consequences or benefits down the line, and it's something that. It just kind of gives an identity to the, like to the character that you pick right off the bat, as opposed to just being well, this bland, plain thing that. And it ties into it ties into personality and 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 into uh, the whole ambulation and avatars. When you choose an elf or an orc, you know what type of person is going to be playing that, and that would be what you got when you choose the 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 bloodlines and the races in 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 Eve. You get an idea of who has chosen this character. Why are you flying with a Bruter uh, avatar? That's because you're most likely going to have that personality trait when you play. That it levels out after a month or two means that there really isn't a balance issue. Eve has never had a balance issue like that. There's a choice issue, which is population-based, but it's not the game mechanic. It never I, was. I think yeah. Noisy Gamer said something earlier um, that I wanted to come back to. He said this is like... Uh, Torfi phobia. So we know that Torfi kind of authored a lot of the art and a lot of the lore in the early Eve. And after Incarna, that kind of seemed to switch. He got benched. Yeah, Torfi's been benched for a while. I, I think I can. I think I can give a little insight here, and I think Locke's sure. going to have a fit about this. But uh, you know, <laughs> attending the session with Ghost, I mean, he sees so much potential in the in the lore around the empires especially for a new character, as they go through the new player experience, I think you're going to see that emphasized more. It is going to matter more as a new player that you're Kaldari versus Galente versus Minmatar versus Amar uh, to get you sucked in and make an emotional connection to your, to your character. Then after you complete that initial experience, then I think Caleb's right. You know, After the first month or so, That'll back off, and then you can choose whatever path you want to go on. But I think as a way to draw players into Eve, you're going to see more emphasis on those initial uh, 
character selections and what race you choose and what that means to your initial experience. Sure, and I can I can give you guys the the benefit of of the doubt on that on on your first sixty days kind of thing. Uh, my point was more that like I one of the big things that got me started and hooked to Eve in the very first days. I, I started even wow the same day just to just to try trials, and like I hate the fact that in the traditional RPG it's you pick your you pick your elf and you pick your gender and you pick your class and that is you forever and if you want something else you roll it again and you go do something else and you can never really go beyond the red versus blue archetype of high fantasy bs and uh you know you can't be the defector orc that that decides that oh we were wrong all along and the the I want to be an health, elf I I am I am trans whatever the thing and i want to go change sides and fight for the humans because they know what they're talking about and you just can't you just can't do that in the traditional rpg thing and that All right. pisses me off from a from a hard hardcore I, I role think, lock it, uh, hold on a second lock, lock it you, you, it sounds like you, you, you really, whatever you self-identify with is really your, <laughs> we, re, we respect that. If you I need am to go to a safe zone, it's okay. Everywhere. <laughs> okay, uh, Reva? Yeah, I was going to say that the problem in the old days of Eve was that, uh, you know, it, there was the problem with everyone being a curer if they wanted to do industry. But aside from that, as Caleb said, it didn't really uh, stop you picking whatever you wanted. I had two mains back in 2008. I've got Reva, who's a Kaldari Sivra, and I chose that because I wanted to fly uh, the Blackbird on uh, day two or so. You could get straight into the Kaldari Cruiser. And then my other out was a Brutal because I wanted to do PvP, so I had uh, the Rifter, which was the god of frigates back then. And after that, you could just specialize where you wanted, but it gave you a thing that you could get into straight away um, without causing any problems and without well, you had to, to know that just to begin wait with, for anything though. too much. Yeah. You know, uh, Marsha Mello agrees with you, Locke. Uh, she says that there is no archetype. You're supposed to choose behavior. It's an alt. Uh, it's an alt. The alt is a mirror. Yeah, yeah but and, it, and it's only is... helping. It's, it's, it's only helping you if you do not have an opinion yet. It's not stopping you from making a dwarf druid or an elf barbarian with uh, nine intelligence there's nothing stopping you in eve it's just helping you choose what you would call an archetype sure and then right. you I, can I'm... you can get out of that whenever you want so, I'm so happy i to make, really disagree to with the you... whole thing of 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 that being a problem and i hated the fact that they nerfed it i think it, it destroyed so much flavor and so much lore well, and I'm happy to make it a story. Like we should, we should be bringing our bringing our fresh fresh people into the game. And you want to make them part the central part of the story. That's that's the escapism of games. Great, that's great. And and I'm happy to have that. I just never want like I don't know how you carve carve out a piece for that, and not also uh, sort of screw yourself into like well, what if I have want to change my mind and I want to I want to be Kaldari picked Kaldari race and I played for two years and then you know galante galante faction warfare is where my heart is and i'm i'm defecting to the front to the frogs and uh i mean that makes a cool story and i'm all for enhancing that story uh but i don't know how to i don't know how to drive that with mechanics uh well, it's because of pluralism right if, if if you if you drive or help the players to choose according to the law then you won't have this um mishmash of uh, uh of players affiliating with, uh, say, Galente. You, you shouldn't have uh, the opposing faction. You shouldn't have traitors in uh, 
a majority or, or even a representative distribution, it should be rare that you see an orc fighting on the elf side. It should be extremely rare. Same yeah. in the law. You shouldn't see a lot of Brutus being in Kaldari, right? It makes no sense. In, okay. in, in modern MMOs, though, we've, we've solved this problem, or they've solved this problem, and, and usually there's some sort of, like traitor event that you can go through that allows you to you know change your affiliation or or uh like for instance archage you choose your initial uh side but, that's, but then but you that's can a, defect that's to a the dwarf druid, right the traitor yeah. is a dwarf druid it it it, it is right. someone that has chosen to be outside of his norm that's the whole point that's I, why I hate... you have these traitor stories so you can be unique so you can be a drist word and uh dark elf just let me uh I hate to quash all this and stuff, but uh, I want to actually move on because I think this discussion that will was all for about, about the new player experience and and uh, ghost, right? That was the origination of the. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, and I was trying to remember trying. how we got there. Yeah. I'm, actually, I'm, sorry, I'm a dirty run role player at heart. Right. I just have to. I just have to be. A Drayden looks it. like an elf, and Neville, go ahead. Well, I want to make one final point. This is all about retaining players uh, in the roundtable discussion. Ghost said almost a million four. You know, 1,400,000 people a year try EVE, and more than 50% of them drop out in less than two hours. And the reason is because they don't get sucked in to what their character is about, what their story is about, where is their role in this. All they get is a lot of, candidly, a lot of stuff about mechanics. And so we've got to do something a little different to retain more of these players. And you know, I, I agree. I think if we can get them sucked into the story a little bit more, I think we can retain a, a bigger percentage of those players. That's cool. Okay. Um, there's one last thing about FanFest I wanted to cover, and that is the trailer itself. Um, real quick, uh, you guys put an, a Y or an N, yes or no, if you like the trailer in the chat, and if we can have some thoughts from you guys on it. Uh, Reaver, let's start with you. Yeah, I like the trailer. Um, everyone's been going on about the wrecking machine. That hasn't quite grown on me yet. Um, I think it's going to be a bit like um, The Killing is Just a Means. That song took forever for me to uh, start liking it, but now it's one of my favorite uh, permaband ones. Okay. Any thoughts on like this, what the message of it was? I, I don't know. I, I wasn't... I have to admit that I didn't watch the trailer more than once, so yeah. Aha! Uh -huh. um, uh -huh. Is that telling? the memes that came on Reddit. A couple of days later, we're more oh. about it with the. Um, it was a focusing on the wrecking your dream side of it. And that was also in the the piece on Falcon. What, what do you guys think of the the trailer? Well, I'll, I'll speak up here. First of all, live it sounds great. It looked really cool. But I agree. The message was Eve is all about blowing stuff up, not necessarily about building something. And you know it's both. It needs to be both. So I, while I enjoyed the trailer, it was great. And, and by the way, listening to that song live played by Permaband is amazing. And you guys all missed it because you weren't at FanFest. <laughs> but, you know, um, so I like the song better than perhaps you do. But I was a little disappointed that, that the emphasis was on the destruction aspect and not necessarily on the uh, on the building aspect of the game. So I'm going to say that I actually, I really appreciated the whole, the whole shtick, but at the same time, like, I feel like it's a case that they got too smart for their own good, right? Because in order to fully understand it, you have to understand a lot of things that are going on in the background and about the lore and all that. There's, there's a lot of like, uh, inside knowledge that's required to fully understand, you know, a lot of these references, like even the building dreams and whatnot, because so... 
stop me if I go on too long of a journey. But, you know, like back in Vegas when they first showed it, they put it the tagline on it, you know, a city uh, built in heaven is built of dreams. And that is actually a, a callback to an ancient Jovian proverb. So it was a it was a nod to those people who know what that is. Um, and, you know, that's a reference to the fact that, you know, the Heaven Constellation was one of the home systems of, of uh, the Jove and, you know, so on and so forth. So they had this whole idea of, like, building dreams, and then that showed up in, um, in Upwell's thing, the building dreams. And so there's that kind of thread that was pulled on. And then finally during that presentation, you watch the entire presentation. They first show you the Upwell advertisement for, um, for the industrial platforms and that advertisement doesn't get an interrupt it's a it's a fairly straight edge you know, like upwell advertisement and so when you finally get to the final presentation with the the advert with the the trailer you're set if you understand all of that or at least i was able to appreciate it on a really deep level because of all of that other background information but i can appreciate how like somebody who doesn't know all of that might feel like they don't get it because there's a lot to it to get. Yeah, I'm with Ash on on some on a lot of those points that uh, this is it's a great treat for us, and I did love the sort of Viridian dynamics versus uh, the wrecking machine back and forth uh, from a thing. But it it did seem like it wasn't a great trailer to share among friends to hook them. Even though the, the space battle was fucking amazing. We talked about this uh, in a chat earlier uh, with Ash. And one of the things that we kind of agreed on is that they must have been using a lot of resources on other video material. Because some of the other things that's been coming out, the scope stuff, the upwell stuff, all that law material has been really, really good. So they might have split the, the, the dev hours a little bit and not had the time that they usually have because they rolled out so much the last three months, right? My take on the trailer, I loved it. I thought it was amazing. And But the thing is, when it comes to cinematics and trailers and even just movie, general movies, I'm very much a simpleton. I don't break the stuff down. I don't get all philosophical or into it. I'm just like, does it look cool? Is it entertaining? This one definitely did that. I'm like, man, that's a sweet-ass space fight. <laughs> uh, it gets me hyped up to shoot something, and it's like I'm like that was a cool trailer. That's that's what I love about you. You're so not in your head, which is great. Yeah, I, know. I, I I don't want to break that stuff down. It's like, bam, just sit back, grab some popcorn, enjoy it. All right, it's only two minutes long. It's over, but it was. I have well, been I mean, loving all I'm, the the recast on the on all the audio streams where people replace the music. Yeah, that's I still did my hear Templeman's. Uh, yeah, yeah, like in the <laughs> background constantly. I was like, I had to go watch the Templeman video after that. Derek? I mean, I mean, that's what I was gonna say. You know, kind of about the trailer, right? Is is sit back, enjoy the trailer for being what it is, right? Um, it's something that doesn't actually exist in the game with that kind of visual effect. Um, so, so just enjoy it for what it is. But if you do want to read into it, it does lean more heavily on the destruction side. But we shouldn't be surprised about that. Sexy sells, and destruction is sexy, and. It's it's marketing, right? I mean, again, it's you know, it's hype. To 
if you're an industrialist, you might be thinking, well, wait a second, you know, I want there to be more emphasis. If you're not only an industrialist, if you're one of these people who you know, believes in kind of world building and things like that, you want to lean a little more heavily on the entire concept of building something and seeing this monumental city in the sky stand. But from a trailer perspective, it's kind of hard to communicate that message that really gives you that kind of gut feeling. So I understand why it leans towards the destruction side. Yeah, and that was my problem with it. Because At least they didn't get out there and yell, destroy, destroy, destroy. <laughs> my problem with Kill it, them all. I, I put my son on my lap to watch it with me, and he watches all these videos with me. And he's liked every single one. But when he finished watching this one, he said, how sad. And then he went away. How sad. <laughs> you made, oh, CCP, you made a baby wow. cry. Yeah, totally. Oh. Like... An angel lost its wings because of you, CCP. <laughs> yeah, but innocence um, is over. I do think like like this game has to be more complex than just you know build something so that I can come and destroy it. Like that can't be the theme, and that's what this thing reeked of to me. Which was, look at how beautiful a citadel is. Cheer for it. Okay, now the thing you're cheering for gets destroyed. Like I was wanting the Citadel to win the fight or something, you know. I, I still want to change the audio out and some of the videos so we can actually have a Viridian Dynamics ad at the front. <laughs> and do uh, the whole friendship is stealing and that kind of thing i actually what? liked the other videos were actually to me more inspirational you know the ones that showed the features i'm laughing at you jordan anyways yeah. um, um well one final thing that i wanted to ask uh and we can kind of, kind of go around the horn i'm actually going to start it just so it gives you time to think about it but um for those of you watching on stream or for neville since you were there what was your favorite um what was your favorite element Mine, I'm going to say, had nothing to do with Eve. It was Max Singularity's uh, presentation on NASA. Yes. Um, gotta say, total NASA fanboy. Um, stayed home from school to watch Crippen and Young go up in the first Columbia flight. Stayed home again a few days later to watch them land. And ever since then, like the shuttle was my baby. Um, I grew up with that thing. Met Krista McAuliffe's family after the Challenger disaster. Um, and watching that every time. I see a U.S. you know space flight. It, it, it even there, it just gives you chills. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you, Derek. I'm super NASA fanboy as well. Love. I I go on their site. I watch a lot of their their mission stuff. When the New Horizons finally got to Pluto this year, or no, it was last year. I was like, I was hyped. I was like checking my phone like every day, looking at the new pictures. Like, oh, it's still a couple pixel dots, but yeah, we're getting there. But uh, yeah, no, his I j actually just watched his uh, YouTube video today uh, of his presentation at FanFest. Really awesome. I was there last year at Vegas when he did his um, asteroid recovery mission presentation. And I, it was actually the night that for the Chateau party, and I was supposed to get in line early to hold a spot. And I was like, I'm waiting until the end of this presentation. If, if we get in the back of the line, that's my bad. <laughs> I'm staying and watching this whole thing till it's done. Well, I mean, what was what was crazy about that presentation is, you know, because obviously, look, it's no longer the shuttle program right now. It's the Orion program. They're going back to a capsule. You're, you know, when he showed that image of, uh, you know, the capsule landing in the water. Right. I mean, and, and you know, and most of most of you guys are you know, all too young. I was too young to actually see Apollo missions land in, you know, land in the ocean. Right. But, you, you know, you can go back to something like the right stuff. Right. And, and you know, you know, where, you know, where they're showing, you know, Gus Grissom and, you know, what happened there, you know, or not, not Gus Grissom. Yeah, no, it was right. With one of the earlier ones where, where it, you know, went underwater, not in Apollo, but before that, um, you know, and then now it's like, they no longer have a helicopter that's bringing it on board an aircraft carrier. They've got, you know, I mean, it's just, it's the same, but different now. <laughs> All right. Let's end this segment with uh, Neville. You have any last thoughts? 
Uh, now, I do want to say, related to what Dirk had asked, I, uh, the Amar Championship, when you were there, was amazing. It was unbelievable. No one expected it to go five matches. It's close right down to the edge. I bet $20 billion on Kilon, so I was heavily invested in it. It was, it was amazing. And when no idea, you, if you haven't seen it, check out the YouTube video on it. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, we'll be back in about four minutes, and uh, we're going to talk about the market craziness that's happening. We'll talk about Plex, and we'll see you in four minutes. Oh, apparently we can talk. Yay. So, yeah, so everybody wants to hear rerun. Everybody talk about uh, talk about the market stuff. Um, yeah, we have an hour, so uh, yeah, uh, we're doing good. Fucked. So fucked. So uh, I didn't get the chance chance to say the one thing I don't like about the trailer. Glasses guy. They referred to us as humans. Oh, are we not? Well, I mean, we're Empyreans. Yeah, subhuman at best. No, that's Trash. like Ash's whole thing. I didn't care for the glasses guy either. That was a little bit too. Uh, that made no. I mean, can can we get would... glasses like that in game now? Like, yes, it's, yes, it's not fair to you. Oh, yeah. Can, yeah. Dirk, you are not a hundred years old. You are no. not. No, I'm not a hundred years old. I can sell you some glasses if you want, uh, Neville. I've been trading them for the last two days. <laughs> <laughs> when do we get the Matani goatees? I still want one of those. <laughs> he shaved I actually off, I think. seriously want that. <laughs> no, they've been in the in the, uh, in the scope videos. Oh yeah, but it's only a drawing in the scope videos. Ah, uh, I want I, I want that as an item. I, I want I want a smug goatee. Yeah. No, I remember when uh, when he did his meta show the first after he shaved off his little soul patch. Everyone, that's all people were talking about in chat. They're like, what happened? But it's the same the other way around. The big beards. We, we generally need big beards different styles that's a valid point well i have pictures not you could of argue beard. that I facial hair is just an unnecessary uh, modification to be made to a clone and they just don't bother with the tech to do it yeah but we have the rest of the other hair right but that's like everybody has hair there otherwise they're weird unless you're a mar and Thank they you. just have a cloak that's grafted onto your skull it's not actually removable that's hey, not no. weird that's tradition <laughs> Hey, one thing about be glad, be glad none of you were at FanFest because apparently everybody except me got the flu afterwards. I mean, everybody. I, I well, heard that's that's, a con that's conventions. There's there's no convention that doesn't come with the death. But it's an international convention, which is even worse. Well, so it can be like PAX where they track the actual SARS outbreak or whatever. Yeah, it's actually something that happens in the military too, because you know people come from all over the United States to basic and then you're living Same in tight with, quarters um, what's the thing in uh, the problem in the UK you told me about it that everyone at, at university kind of needs those shots because they all keep getting uh, oh, meningitis. Yeah, meningitis. Yeah, it's it's huge when too. you get uh, a lot of people in the same place from different locations uh, it kills a, it kills a couple of kids a year here in the States should be about 10 seconds All right, we're back. Thanks for waiting uh, for the second segment of the show. We're going to talk about markets this time around. And wow, has it been active. Um, 
So to explain some of the craziness, we have uh, some financial experts here, Caleb, uh, Rivre, and uh, Rivra, and Lockfox. And uh, we'll go ahead and start with Lockfox talking about uh, the Plex crisis, uh, if you want to call it a crisis. Oh, God, please don't. <laughs> I was hoping not to call it a crisis. Uh, and then I pulled today's graphs, and I have to eat all of my words I said on last night's show. So it is a crisis? Uh complicated plex is complicated man <laughs> why don't you give us the broad strokes was a crisis <laughs> yeah give us the, the broad strokes on what's going on and then um and then uh Reaver has a lot of information on on what what is going on with plex uh so there's there's sort of two pieces of the puzzle one is that we've been in what could be termed a liquidity crisis ever since um, skill trading was released. Uh, f everybody wants cash isk to go participate in the game. And this has been, uh, this has been fueled along. Uh, first we got the skill trading and then the, the great war broke out and then citadels hit, which means that people just want enormous amounts of cash and the best way to get cash, like, uh, the, that Plex is just, is basically as good as cash, right? Um, and this means that the price of Plex has been falling generally. Now, um, what happened on Citadel is that we had a flash crash that the price went far beyond the expected slump. So if you guys look at the, the chart that's on the on the thing right now, you can see that though the, this is a 30-day chart and the, the, the prices are slumping slowly and sort of going down a couple million a day, like it's, it's no big deal. And then Citadel hits and during the first eight hours, actually, you know, the first 12 hours, we see the markets go completely in the toilet uh, and and buy orders were in free fall and panic all around, mass hysteria, cats and dogs living together. Um, that recovered yesterday. And, and when I went on the show yesterday, I was expecting that we'd be at under 1 billion and sort of tracking to 950 if you guys wanted to get uh, technical about predicting into the future. Unfortunately... There's nothing I can do about the way people feel about a flash crash, and so we have a lot of people panicking. Okay. Yeah, I would agree with the people panicking. I would say there's um, additional things with the Plex prices happening at the moment. Um, there's the there were a lot of people expecting uh, Fax SP to be refunded tomorrow, so then they could use the SP to put into the new skills to finish off training up their light fighters five and whatever and then ccp decided not to do that and uh, so then people needed to buy injectors uh, to make up the difference in those skills so that definitely played into it on the first day as well um, and a lot of it is yeah people panicking and the markets because they changed the taxes there's been a lot of bugs on the market people have been on the first day definitely really really worried about setting buy orders because there were rumors and there were screenshots and there were reports that if you updated your order then you'd suddenly get the whole market uh, the whole broker fee taken uh, from your order again and there was a screenshot of someone with a 200,000 order being charged uh, 7 million in broker fees so this put people off uh, placing buy orders which then causes the buy orders to fall um, and people started selling as well because you it seemed that there weren't so many problems with selling stuff so the sell orders were pushed down by that and the buy orders were pushed down because there just weren't so many happening. Were the, were, do we know if those were bugs or if they actually counted? Oh, so They're, the buy orders should still be 
are, are valid, right? But the the fees, I'm not sure if we've we've heard the the last of it, right? Yeah, there's there's a lot of bugs I'm still seeing, and uh, some of them are UI bugs. Look, on the first day, I was uh, I had three or four orders up, and it said in my uh, wallet that my broker fee was six percent. By the time I listed all my Tech Two salvage, it told me I had a hundred ninety seven percent broker fee, which uh, puts you off. Uh, doing it just in case, even though you check and it's fine and there was lag on the market so you couldn't see uh, whether you had a broker fee gone through or not. So yeah, these sort of things stop people getting involved in the market. And then because with the new fees, um, the Plex price hadn't adjusted. So it was actually a negative margin that you'd be getting if you were trying to flip Plex on day one. Yikes. Additionally, one of the things that's very interesting about people that collect Plex as a way of preserving ISK is that a lot of them are are rather older characters, and so they bought Plex perhaps as low as three or four hundred million, and so it dropping to nine hundred million, they don't see it as a loss of three hundred million necessarily from its height of one point two. It's just cashing out in a, and they they've already doubled or you know potentially already have a gain in spite of the lower value. I um, largely disagree with that point. Plex has been a snowballing effect for the last three or four years of, if you want to hold, like it's been stupid to hold cash, like liquid cash in the long term. It's been, uh, if you're not going to use the ISK today, it's smarter to go put it into Plex because Plex will always rise. And I know that I've said something similar in the past. So feel free to send your hate mail to Prosper Market Show. Um, the the deal of it, though, is that a lot of its value is sort of we've all it's the same mass hysteria that you see around gold where, oh, well, gold can never go down until it does. And it takes out everybody's stuff and everybody panics because gold is a panicky uh is a panicky market in general. And, and so I, I don't know if there's at the 1 billion mark, I expect the majority of plexes that are actively tradable were bought north of 800 million, probably in the 1 billion range. That's a really hard number to go figure out, but I would believe that the bulk of them were there. And so the people who have billion billion isk plexes aren't losing much, and it's still basically a one to one. But the sort of people who've been active, um, especially through last fall, where we hit one point three or one point two uh, billion isk, are the kind of people who hold maybe ten to fifty billion isk in 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 uh, that kind of reserve are panicking because they are losing their 20 or 30 percent of their of their skin uh basically o over the last three months and i know that sucks but i don't know how to help those people let me interrupt but, here to but it makes, but it makes hold sense on caleb, caleb in, one in second way, right? hold on caleb one second i just want to interrupt because i skipped this in the intro and i should have put it the crossing zebras has an article by Ashtarathi, who's on our panel about the Plex, and uh, that just came out today. And uh, soon, maybe as early as tomorrow, TMC is going to have an, uh, another article that has uh, an explanation of what the the Plex buyer or seller, I, I think it was a buyer, uh, uh, what he set out to do. And uh, Reaver will actually tell us about that a little bit later. Go ahead, Caleb, tell us what you're going to say. Well, I was just going to point out that, that, that we are in a time that's very paradoxical because on, on one side, we get all these novel things that, that, that increases the demand for ISK. So 
everyone wants ISK and they want to cash out, which means that the, 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 the Plex is going to tank in price, but the purchasing power of the ISK for anything that is not currently novel is going to be higher. So if, if you're buying anything except the new items, you're actually potentially going to get more for your money. Whereas because of, of course, speculation and the novelty, you get the standard uh, uh, initial market graph where everything starts off crazy high and then it levels out and, and finds its, uh, its, its normal price. But in, in that period, anything that is not in that novel range is going to be more cheap. And then when you add the tax thing, you are looking at uh, actually most of the people that are cashing in are going to benefit if they are not going all magpie and, and getting their first to the markets. Uh, so, so it's really not that unhealthy. It's only unhealthy for people that have stored their value in Plex. It's similar to what you see in MoreFi that it's still wibbly wobbly because it's two of the favorites that people have had. That they think that MoreFi is always going to somehow hold the value um, compared to the rest of the minimal basket. And then it ties into what Aerith was trying to explain on the meta show that prices want to sort of stay where they are. So you get this, it's, it's kind of like a price elasticity phenomenon where it, 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 it's kind of going to dip, but then it, it gets picked up by people actually uh, putting them up because they can actually pull a, a better price because people now have the ISK to pay for it. Um, so it's a lot of factors at once and we need to find a new normal. And I think it's going to take at least maybe two or three months because we also need to get the citadels in game actively being used before we can actually say where we're going to land. We, we should explain that Aerith is the, the uh, financial guy for Goon Swarm and he has uh, a cabal that kind of a little council that actually does all the financials for uh, the Imperium and Goon Swarm in particular and they're they trade in huge amounts uh, back and forth. There's also um, Caleb. It was just because he was trying to explain the thing where if one mineral drops, another one will try to pick up price by becoming more expensive. And it's going to be based on which one is the next one that is in low supply. Uh, it's also tying into when you're seeing people trying to manipulate the market and buying out things like the Tech 2 materials where they're going to take the one that has the lowest volumes and stuff, right? Yeah, but I wanted to just point out that there is like, you know, Goon Swarm and the Imperium has financial guys that look at the markets and are always, you know, uh, figuring out where to put their money and, and where the future is and stuff like that. But Caleb, you also have an old uh, group of friends that does the same thing, right? Caleb? You're roboting. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't get it. You're roboting a lot. <laughs> you got all Dirk up in there. <laughs> <laughs> Get dirt. I think I heard you say a bad word, too. Oh, yeah. I snuck them all in while I was roboting. Okay, I'm sorry. But um, Aerith has a council that looks at financials and figures out where to invest. And that's for Goon Swarm and those guys. You also have a group of friends that kind of serves to advise each other, right? Yeah, but we're, we're more loosely affiliated. We, that's the whole point of, uh, of the lounge. It was to create a social venue for... Usually, uh, traders and in, in investors, speculator types, they're very solo operators. Uh, so it was to have a place to, to, to talk about things and trade some, some ideas. And uh, it's basically, well, it's illegal in the real world, but here there's no regulation. <laughs> so no one would be able to stop us, right? So ironically, I chose the name the SEC Lounge because the SEC is supposed to be a regulatory body and even it doesn't work. It doesn't actually regulate anything like well, insider trading. It's just um, interesting. 
it's just interesting that because, okay, this is like talking about lore. Talking about markets and lore is incredibly complex and high-minded. And so for most people, they kind of glaze over and check out when you start talking about what is, what isn't, and what is speculation. But what's very uh, approachable is the fact that there are these financial masters watching the market and investing trillions of isk in these things. Yeah, but well, that's, talk that's about really storing your value, right? You're, you're playing a game that's, that's sensitive to, to industry and, and to market, and, and it's just a different game. It's, it, it exists in most uh, MMOs, as far as I know. It's just that in other games, there's not the same consequence and the same real ecology that you have in well, that's that's the richness of EVE Online, and that's what really gets to me when, when people say, like, I'm really good at EVE because I know how to fit a ship and destroy another ship. Like, that is only one aspect of being good at EVE. The other one is organizing. The other one is commerce. There's all kinds of different things, management, and even just leadership in general. That is something that you can measure winning, I'm winning EVE by. And you could say that when it comes to what you might call top tier, I know that sounds extremely arrogant and elitism, but then it becomes extremely incestuous, right? It's, it's everyone knows everyone. So in, in things like the, the, the markets who uh, the big cash holders, most of them know each other. The same in the casinos, they seem to all know each other. And in the news uh, scene, it, it seems that everyone is affiliated and, and, and cross-referencing each other and appearing on different platforms. So, so I think... <sighs> The end level is not that huge. It's not. It's not big enough to really uh, segregate and separate. And that's why you're seeing this. And the lounge then just cartel-wise enforces this even further. Right? Minas started out there before getting elected uh, to to the CSM and uh, was talking a lot with us. But then, as he became famous, suddenly uh, he had to uh, tone down his appearance and. Uh, so, so as to not fair. So that's Mena who was... Can't hang with you guys anymore. Yeah, Mena was a protege to Aerith uh, inside of the uh, Goonswarm Cabal. Uh, but it's, you know, it's kind of like media, right, Dirk? Because you're, you know, you're all over the place. And it's limited and, you know, you don't tell everybody everything because you want to save something for the next either, you know, article or appearance. I pretty much just repeat myself everywhere. <laughs> yep. Well, we're but, glad you do. Well, I, I mean, here's a question, though. Okay, so we're... We're kind of in a bear market territory at this point on Plex, right? I mean, is anybody willing to call a bottom here? Or, or are we in kind of a catch a falling knife position? I mean, do you think that there's something that's really driving this downwards? There are no articles out there going, Plex is too damn low right now. Uh, so personally, I have I have a, a stop target of 950. Uh, it, and I'm probably going to eat those words because now that I've said it, uh, that means that that will be a target to beat to make me wrong. Uh, so go ahead. But let's the, play prices prices right. Yeah, like I, I get it. So so personally, thanks to thanks to Dirk over here, I'm a big fan of uh, using the RSI to really tell you how far well, how fast strength, something baby. can fall. Uh, and and to go under 950 would require would require some serious effort and uh, and and black swan events blah 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 blah, but the the we could we could slip under that I think that to to say a price as of June one, uh, I still think we're close to a billion I, I have a hard time believing that we can really keep the downward momentum and hit like 850 and go into full free fall uh, without completely. Uh, completely fucking up so much of the game. I think well, let's, uh, hold on, before you... Hold on. You're a, long, a longer-term investor, though, right? And, I mean, if you were a longer-term investor, do you... We have not broken trend. Well, what I wanted to touch upon is the thing that 
if you look at the, the, the players that are now in EVE and if you consider who is on breaks or who's left and who went out and got real life stuff, right? Got their first kits and all this. This is a generational game, so it's very very different from other games. The ones that stayed behind might actually be the ones that are younger and have not gotten that far yet in in their real life, right? So if I compare to some of the old players that I know, the reason that they're not in EVE anymore is because they have other engagements, right? And if they start creeping back, you're going to see not the 16-year-old with no wallet. You're going to see someone that might actually be at a point with a successful career and is willing to pay for the time that they don't have. That means that we're going to see more wallet warriors. And but that will take But that's the, the position we're already in. Like as long as as long as we have this sort of cash is king uh mentality going on which this is why i have a june 1st target on a lot of my on a lot of my predictions is that we've had hit after hit after hit that's kept the isk velocity just historically high i mean quant was complaining that he had to completely blow out his his uh his scales on the isk velocity which we'll get back to in a second i i do want to talk about isk velocity the the thing is, is oh, that please do i have a hard time believing that we're going to have the steam in in novelty things to do coming out in June, July and August over the summer doldrums where we can really keep up that cash mentality. Now, I don't know about the rise back up. I mean, saying that it won't go lower is not the same as saying it will rise because I still think that there are enough uh, wrenches in the works for ISK generation that... Uh, the sort of symptoms that got us into 1.3, 1.4, 1.5 territory, uh, I don't think are going to stand. So I think that the the fall spike that we tend to see will be subdued, but will that it's a little early to be really making those predictions. Well, I mean, here, as I said, here's I, a question I, on that demand. So let's the... let's let uh, Dirk go and then Caleb. Well, sorry, I, I just want to. Do we think that there has been? Um, um, a shift on the demand side of the equation. The people who use Plex for for its its underlying use, you buy it with ISK and you use it for whatever it is they're using, mainly game time. So the yeah, actual the, the, ISK Plex destruction, uh, like consumption, real actual consumption, next Caleb, I, I think is staying relatively relatively stable, probably up thanks to thanks to skill trading. But uh, I don't think that that's I don't think that's going to give sustained downward pressure. It's the the, cra the 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 desire for cash isk that's really driving the the prices today. I think that's where so, we agree a lot because I I know that there's a there's been a huge volume of, of of plex traded because of the skill point stuff. But my point is that if I'm not entirely wrong, what CCP is rolling out and all these new changes is going to create a popularity. So it's not unlikely that you will see a million users when you look at all brands come December. That's a lot of cross-pollination, right? There's going to be a lot of people from Valkyrie trying EVE. There's going to be a lot of people from uh, New Dust uh, creeping into EVE. When all these players come in and then the old players start seeing all this momentum, you're going to see a lot more wallets being opened. And I don't think I'm that far off when I say that it could actually go to 650, 700 million by the end of the year. And you will see things like injectors and the whole skill point market might actually slump a little bit because right now it's very novelty driven they will start focusing more on utility and less on vanity and the old players will have finished their stuff and the new ones will not have the same demand 
the the, the diminishing return me mechanism uh, will dry up. They will stop doing it because it's not worth it. So, okay. so there's a lot of factors. Let, I don't think that the, let me that let me cut you off right up. there, Caleb. Uh, I want at this point to ask everybody in chat to go ahead and write down what their bottom number is going to be for Plex, how low it's going to go. And I want to ask. I, can I just jump in? Yes, um, of course. Yeah, I was going to go to you. I know Lockfox and and Caleb have been talking a lot about the Plex prices, and I I've just checked in Jita, and it's nine forty two on sales at the moment, so it's gone below nine fifty. Okay, uh, so but, bye. <laughs> right right that means I, that means I shut off your video. Uh, your, no, anyway, so uh, I would say that uh, we've got the weekend people haven't come in yet. Um, after you know the first big influx of people after the patch haven't come in, and they might want to get hold of uh, injectors, and then they might uh, see the Plex price and jump because a lot of the Plex are held by guys who've seen uh, it on Reddit or on the forums that oh my God, buy Plex, it's going to get really high, and now they're losing, you know, what's a large amount of this to them, and they're dumping, and I think it might start recovering within a week or two. So I, I don't think it's going to hit Caleb's levels. It's already gone below lock foxes, but I think probably the middle of next week, uh, it should start recovering again. We always love the retail investors late in the game. The most, uh, most people here are saying like, you know, 750, it looks like it's kind of the average, some 600. That's so like that. much. That's so far to fall, yeah, guys. Like I, I, so, percentage points you'd have to lose oh, oh, every day to get there. Hold on a second. I want to shift gears. Ash, if you have one more thing, that's fine. And then we'll shift gears to uh, the Plex story. Well, yeah. I, well, I'll, I'll just say a quick note and then throw out a bit of tinfoil for everybody to laugh at. So my problem with a lot of these theories is that it doesn't look like the, pri the quantity of skill injectors uh, being purchased, Jita has changed significantly. Um, it, like it, it basically has gone between uh, two to six thousand uh, per day for as long as the I've looked back, and that's consistent with what we've seen since Citadel. So it doesn't actually look like people are uh, using it to buy injectors. So I guess my question is: uh, Are we just seeing Iron Bank trying to get a Palantine Citadel and cashing out his money and using this as a uh, as a distraction? Let's ask him. He's in the chat room. Well, there you go. <laughs> we did ask him when uh, we told we told him about that. He was saying he's like he never heard of it, and we told him about it. like what was it like? That was Eep. That was Eep. Yeah. That was Eep, not uh, Iron Bank. They're two different. Oh, that was, oh, that was Eep. Uh, yeah, he said he was going to try and get one. Another thing that people oh. have overlooked with Citadels is that, um, and the Plex this week is that a lot of people saw the um, hull price, so they knew it was six billion, seventy billion, seven hundred billion. They forgot about modules and rigs. Um, and everything else and some of those jewels are in the several billion range so people needed to liquidate quickly as well so i think that played into the plex crash sure there's a lot of new capital stuff people want to buy they want to be uh, liquid so they can buy all this stuff um, okay so let's talk about what what we were looking at and there was a controversy about ccp actually trying to stabilize the free fall of plex and Reva, you know about that can you tell us what happened uh, there um i can tell you that uh it wasn't a CCP, it's actually a single player who uh, placed the so-called wall of Plex that was originally at 949 uh, million and now is down at 849. Uh, there were about 18,000 Plex on the market from yeah one player placing buy orders. And he actually, and he's the one that's written this contribution uh, piece to TMC that we're going to have out shortly. And he said that he would have gone to hundreds of trillions of dollars if he could get investors. Uh, were you involved with some of that? 
was involved in, uh, I, I knew what his method was before the patch, um, and I was involved in uh, coordinating between him and some investors to try and get, uh, yeah, he was trying to get around a trillion-esque to be able to invest into the market. And so he did get investors, but not as many as he wanted. Yeah, he, he wound up with a fraction of what he wanted to get. Um, but with that fraction of ISK, he was able to place, uh, it was over 18 trillion uh, worth of Plex orders. I think in total, um, it's just about 30,000 buy orders for Plex that he has up. So that's 18 trillion in Plex buy orders. That's amazing. And it was going to go much destroying higher. destroying my freaking uh, ranges on my sexy, sexy <laughs> graph. Freaking hate that. <laughs> but that's really interesting because you actually third-partied information like there's, we have this thing called third party when somebody, you can't trust people in EVE. So what you do is you give it to someone who's trustworthy, the money, and they hold it in escrow. And then that person also receives, say, the Titan, and they hold it. And then they make the switch because they're trusted. And that's called third partying, um, I don't know what that is, exchange or something. See, at, at first I thought you were going to go with the other definition of third party. And yeah, like, no. She just swooped in and stole it from both of them. <laughs> yeah, just shot everybody up who was there. No. Uh, and that's um, that's really interesting phenomenons happen. That's how Kriba made his name as the most trustworthy person in EVE because he was the one that brokered those deals all the time. But to find out they actually happen to financial information is really interesting. That's the first time I've seen it. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a practice that's very used in the MD. It's how you have to handle most loans. You have to have some, some sort of uh, third person handling it. You mean you just don't answer an ad in Jita? Only if it's well, for double. When you do when you do when you do these uh, financial products, you can do shares and you can do IPOs and you will do a business plan and all these things. Then usually there's auditors and there's uh, third party people handling the the escrow and all these things, the collaterals basically. So you can't lose more than a certain amount. So it's like a bond shop when it comes to most bonds, but some of them are of course uncollateralized, and then there's no third party except maybe in the fact that. These third-party people are grinding reputation and trust, so they will be part of picking apart the business plan, and uh, and so in in that sense, making sure that the investors are getting their money, even though they are not being secured. So, Reva, you're one of those trusted people. Uh, well, I wasn't until this week. Uh, what actually happened was uh, there was a guy made a post on the uh, Eve uh, forums, the market discussions. And he put up a post saying he wanted to pawn uh, 26 characters because he'd found this thing that can make him a shitload of ISK on, uh, on patch day. And he, of course, wouldn't tell anyone what this uh, thing was. So people were dismissing it a bit. And he said uh, at one point that he'd find someone to talk to, uh, to basically hold the secret and verify it and say that, yeah, this method isn't an exploit. It's not a bug. Uh, and it will work. And so he came to me uh, and asked me if I would uh, go over it with him and then just verify it for other people, uh, whether it was valid or not. So you were kind of like a like you were raiding a bond, like, you know. Dirk, you know about this stuff, don't you? Bit? Yeah, like, you know, like uh, you would say, yeah, this is worth buying, this is not worth buying. And that, obviously it crashed the U.S. economy and world economy if they, when well, untrustworthy I mean, people did. I mean, this whole thing here, this guy is kind of reminding me of George Soros back back when he led the charge to kind of break the pound sterling back in the 90s. I mean, this is what's so amazing. I mean, number one, we've always talked about how amazing the, the EVE market is in general, right? But there is nothing that is, that to me anyways, that is more realistic with market trading than the plex market it is so big and so liquid and the volume on it is so strong that that it's why 
when when Lockfox does his charts and he's using you know and he's using the type of you know analysis that he is in terms of MACD and relative strength and things like that, right? That it works so well on Plex as opposed to other areas of the market where it's not not quite the same. I will say that this was uh, different from usual financial things as I wasn't guaranteeing that the guy would pay anything. I was just verifying his method and the reason he needed to, th you know, the main thing that I was third partying was that I wouldn't actually tell anyone this secret. And I got quite a lo lot of offers during the week, uh, you know, oh, to break your silence, is, how much will you sell it for? What is this from random people across Eve? Because some guy offering the crazy uh, percentage rates he was offering, uh, he was basically offering that he would pay back 80% interest and all transfer fees on 26 characters within uh, a month or so. So people really wanted to know how to make this easiest. And my job was just to yeah, say it's okay and then just make sure no one found out about it before patch day. So well, just say for clarity, you, you approved of his method? Yeah, I, I said that, yeah, it worked. Yeah, she's... Um... So how many people approached you, by the way, to say, hey, can you get me in on this secret? I would say I probably, it wasn't a huge amount. I had 10 to 15 people uh, convoying me in Slack. Um, I had people convoying me from FanFest trying to find out what it was. Um, I had people in game trying to ask me questions about it to find out what it was. It was just a, a week of uh, guessing games and me having to give extremely vague answers that sounded like they were saying a lot and uh, weren't actually saying anything. <laughs> Neville, was that you? Were you writing her saying, what's a secret? No, that was not me. And you wouldn't believe me if I told you the truth anyway. <laughs> What's you know what's so amazing and and you know I listen to Lockfox's show a lot, um, but what's so amazing is when you have so, you know a group of people that sit there and get out here and they talk about you know what's going on sort of behind the scenes, right? Um, um, for for some of the for some of us, this is like listening to to Elise Randolph and people like that talk about PVP in the game, right? How they're fitting their ships, how they're doing this, right? You know, and and they don't quite talk about it around Alliance tournament time, right? This is this is kind of one of those moments where there's something going on out there, and there are some there are some real geniuses in this game on a whole number of different levels. But but the financial side of things is absolutely amazing in this game. Yeah, it's underrated. Um, just kind of the people who know know, and then there's everybody else. Yeah, and the special thing with the special thing with this one was, uh, yeah, the guy didn't have. Uh, 30, 000, uh, 30 trillion isk or even 17 trillion isk or as some people were guessing on the forums 4.5 uh, trillion isk to invest in all those buy orders he did not have that money no he placed 30,000 buy orders for plex without uh, without having 30 trillion isk he put in uh, between 60 and 100 billion isk to get all those buy orders placed is that possible did he find a way to yeah, it's it's very possible. Um, I it, it sounds complicated, and I'll try and explain it very uh, clearly, very simply. There's a skill in the game called margin trading, and every level of margin trading that you have uh, allows you to not have to put as much money up front up front to place an order. And at margin trading five, this takes it down to twenty four percent of the price you have to put up. So he would have only had to put up. If he had a, a buy order for 100 million ISK for 100 items, he would only have to put up 24 million ISK in order to place that order on the market. So, so that's, where, that's where people got the idea that he'd paid 4.5 trillion ISK to place these orders. 
Um, but there's another step that he uh, did beyond that. Everyone knows about margin scams in the game. And uh, in, in the game, uh, what happens is someone puts up 24% of the price of an item. So 24 million in the case of the 100 million order. Then they sell to themselves for 24 uh, items out of the 100. Uh, and then that leaves the rest of the order up there. And it because you sell to yourself, you get the ISK back. Uh, minus your broker fee, of course. So every time this guy placed an order, he sold himself uh, 24% of it. And then he cleared all the escrow out of his wallet. So when he looked in his wallet, it said uh, amount in escrow, uh, zero, amount to cover 76% of the buy order. Um, and then, of course, he got the 24, say he had 100 plex up, he would have got the 24 plex back into his hangar that he could then use on his next order. Um, and so he was able to place all these orders. And every time he's only got the broker fee tied up in the market. And the broker fee for 18,000 uh, plex is about 60 billion or so. So that's the amount of risk that he needed to place those on the market. We've got um, what I think is about 20 minutes left here, Matterall. Um, I do want to shift the topic of conversation a bit to, to um, what people think about the introduction of Citadel's um, uh, CCP or EVE Online. The Twitter account put out a question the other day about, you know, what, you know, how do you think that market hubs are going to shift because of this? And I, I definitely want to have time with these guys to be able to, uh, to hit on that. Yeah, definitely. Let's do that now. Um, we're finishing up with this. There'll be an article on TMC from the guy that actually did it, and he explains how he did it. And so you can read about that uh, later. But let's go ahead and shift to uh, what um, Dirk was just talking about. I still strongly think that the the largest impact, and I actually just realized even further how large of an impact Citadels is going to have in wormhole space. Um, the the additionally like we've heard all the other things where like you know citadels is, is such a quality of life improvement but the thing i thought about just today was uh which i mean maybe other people have figured it out already but with lo no local you don't know if there are if there are people and how many people are docked in the citadel so you don't know if they're ready to defend themselves so like for instance if you move your scouts or whatever to go watch the citadel prior to it coming out of reinforcement you have no idea and no real way of knowing what kind of defenses are being amassed inside of the Citadel. You don't even know if somebody's manning the Citadel until it starts shooting. So, um, you know, I, I think that it's going to have a huge impact in the way that Intel is gathered in, in whole space and how it's operating. And that's even without the markets. Okay, if, but what about, what about uh, the If I markets? may add the, the high sec aspect of that, because I know that many people don't really think that this will happen. And they didn't think that it would happen to industry, and to some extent it, it didn't. But I believe that you're going to see a lot of citadels in the high sec, especially because of the market benefits. I know it, it, it might not seem like much, but 1% when you are trading trillions a month is very much important. So you will see someone put up, and you only need to put up a large, right, to then have the coverage of... Uh, your market orders to the, the nearby hubs, you can just set range at one and you will still be competing with the extreme NPC station rates. So people will do this and investing a large citadel for 
10, 15, 20 uh, semi-serious market traders will make that money and, and it will be worth it. So I am expecting to see a lot of it and it will most likely cause a lot of wars. But since asset safety for the user, not the owner, is pretty much secure, you, you don't have to pay anything. You lose five days of uh, return of investment, but that's something you can tank if you have enough of them. You just need to have your assets spread out on, say, well, five locations, right? You have to buy them back assuming... when you move, though. I mean, well, no, not not in the same system. If it's to an down. NPC station in the same oh, right, system, right, right, right. it's uh, free. Well, that, that's assuming that they take it down or it's destroyed. What if they just lock you out? Where does the trust same thing, issue same come thing. involved? Then you can use asset safety as well. But you it can, takes five days. You can use the asset safety thing if, if they yeah. cut yes, they off your access, you access to, to your stuff. If they deny you to, to dock, you can then activate asset safety. And I think that's a little bit of a problem because I think some will abuse it and use it as some sort of teleport feature. So I'm not sure how CCP is going to avoid that. It's already been talked about how a lot of asset creep is uh, and lockdown of assets using uh, this in null is now going to be possible to avoid because now they can kind of put up a large and then evacuate their stuff even though they are surrounded and, 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 and things like that. So a lot of game mechanics are going to change and a lot of the economy is going to change because those assets will now get into the ecosystem and that's going to be very interesting to follow. So I am expecting some huge changes. I think we're going to see some sort of nerfing of loot and, and, and straining on raw material stuff, maybe something on the time uh, frames on industry pro uh, in production. They have to tweak these things to match this new normal. Uh, I, I, I have a quick. Oh, I sorry. agree with Astrothy um, that wormholes are going to be where the big changes are, especially if someone manages to get up an Excel inside a wormhole. It's going to be uh, fairly difficult for someone to take that down, uh, with, if, especially if they want to get the large ships in there. That's just, you know, that can be made very difficult to happen. So, wormholes are where the biggest changes are with citadels. Uh, I, I had a question for uh, dealing with what, what Caleb was saying um, uh, about the. The lower tax rate you can set on the citadels, which you're going to make it uh, definitely uh, a enticing way to get people to buy from the citadel rather than the you know the Jitas and the trade hubs. Uh, but will that just cause different trade hubs? Are they, they're going to be like certain specific citadels that will become like new trade hubs wow. in high sec that are player owned, or are these just going to be spread out? Because there, I bet there's a lot of people that would be like, yeah, it costs more at Jita, but everything is all in one spot. I just have to go make one trip instead of no. This is this is complicated. It's buy orders. It's the the people that are competing on buy order side to get the resources from the people that come in and sell to to oh, to, right, right. to the traders. They will be able to use ranged buys instead. They will be able to 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 surround Gita and and and, and Amar and other trade hubs with Citadel. And you just need to have one range. That means that you're not going to get your assets spread that much. You're going to get the majority from the hub still. So you're going to save that as a selling location. It's not that positive, but it can actually be a benefit because you can still compete when you then amass the stuff that, that, that might get delivered, not in the hub. So because you have one range, right, that you might get stuff from the other system, you can then bring that to your Citadel and then you can resell that there with the benefit of the lower tax. So instead of, so, so you will see maybe a slow and very gradual move away from hub centricity but the hubs will still play the major part when it comes to volume but not so, necessarily to price wars exactly like in the real world uh, the new york stock exchange sets the price of, of of raw materials and stuff but they do not do the price war in the retail shops 
So, so the, the one thing that that uh, we're missing though is that to to unseat a major trade hub. Uh, last I heard, the citadels won't show up in any of the API feeds, which makes any of the automation that that makes a lot of that centralization work. Uh, a lot of that, like the, the whole point of that automation is that I know what I'm getting and I know what I'm paying and I can do all of my work ahead of time and then just do the clicks to execute the order. And um, you have to do a lot more manual work to be able to leverage some of those those options. Uh, uh, Caleb and I and, and, and all the other SCC guys have really been uh, dreaming about some of the options. There are some really cool ideas <clears throat> if you can get the pieces in the right places and do the legwork required, but you still have to sort of overcome to to to, to unseat Jita, Dodixi, Amar, and all the others. Um, you have to the the you have to have an ease of access that I don't think Citadels can provide straight out. They're going to be a great complement. And a great ne and and serve some great niches, but they're not going to be a replacement. So here's an idea that I that I just thought of when it comes to like the large citadels with the market. If uh -huh. you have an industrial wing, you could actually set up a market where it's like a beacon for people to bring things to you, right? So you could set your your in your interest rate super low and other people's interest rates high, and then put out these big buy orders for minerals. You know, there's a lot of these industrial guys that have corpse that bring them you know that basically have buyback programs for ore but you could actually have like a public buyback program effectively through a large citadel and if i now i'm going to disclose something that might be something that people can really use for something uh, when you have a population of citadels within your range you are basically going to be getting indirectly an interbus system the delivery is five days but it's an interbus so if you allow your assets to mature in the citadels where players might actually prefer using their own citadels so they will come in and they will actually sell to the traders the traders assets will grow in the citadels and when five days pass they can then teleport them directly to the nearest npc station you don't and they well, can yeah. do that consolidated right so if there's 10 stations they can just consolidate all of it at the top station and then eventually start doing logistics uh, outsourcing it to uh, public courier or to uh, uh, Red Frog and Push. So you're going to see a lot happen in this. And, and, and the final mm, gamification have not been done yet. Yeah. I imagine I, that that's something that they will fix if that act ends up being a thing that happens. Yeah. Is yeah. that Neville? Yeah, I, I don't think we know what, what Citadels are, <laughs> are going to do. I, there's going to be, and there are going to be so more more new changes coming down the line when they add contracts to these, uh, when they add, you know, a tweak the the, uh, the various rules for how you can transfer items. You know, I, I think it's one of the reasons why there's so much uncertainty in the market. Nobody really knows what how Citadels are going to affect the marketplaces. I definitely disagree with Ash. They're not going to fix this. If they do that, they're very stupid because this is exactly the incentive that we need. This is going to be what drives the the the, the income levels for the Citadel owners that the marketeers are then offering these services. So the five-day interbus is perfect. This is exactly what we've been wanting all the time because the value, uh, potential loss in return of investment over those five days is a risk. So there is a risk involved and you have to wait. You can't just benefit from it instantly. You can't buy something at a Citadel and then instantly get it shipped to the NPC station. That's not going to be possible. 
But Euterbium talked about in the original discussion of these kinds of structures that the inner bus system would be established as a separate feature, which is yet to be implemented. So I would expect that to change and be made more of a uh, not a not a, a mechanic that as a result of the existing mechanics, but an actual mechanic in and of itself. It will be interesting to see how this shakes out. I mean, I've seen some I've seen some complaints out there from like you know Toro Bushido from from Marmite regarding kind of uh, you know what's going on with the whole war deck stuff and things like that. Now with the watch list, it's gonna be interesting to see if groups like that get involved with war decking these things and if they're hired to get involved with taking. There's now a way of potentially taking out your competition. Yeah, you know, um, um, by just you know by destroying or interdicting their their. Um, their facility, right? Money I mean, making because, machine. Well, because you know you've got the trust aspect of, uh, well, at least what I thought you had was the trust aspect, but maybe you don't. But what you have to be concerned about, you know, to some extent, is whether or not you're working out of an operation that um, maybe can be destroyed, and therefore, and, you know. And I have to, I have to just get in on the, the the structures that are coming in further down the line. What we're going to see now is the Citadel War is going to be, at least in Heisek, very market hub war based. So this is going to be the market hub wars. The next thing we're going to see is is, is denial of, of industrialist competition. So that you're going to get an industrialist war. And, and even more uh, awesome, in my personal opinion, is what you're going to see next when, you, when they introduce the billboards that player can put up. You're going to see the first advertising war. And that's going to be amazing. No, it's not. <laughs> the ads are terrible. Um, I'm just being cynical, but um, you know, because I like to, I like to fly in space. Okay, first of all, if I played like WoW or something, or I just never like to see the little mannequins dancing in front of the, you know, the store I was going into to buy stuff. Well, they're not going to just be advertisements. You're, you're going to see like statues and, and you know, monuments. That's what I mean. But you know, it's, it's like you can't account for taste, and it's, so everybody else is like commercial is Red killing light my. Mystery. Yeah, oh, well, you mean you might I, get as, just as good uh, commercials as we get on every other Eve stream with like uh, Alliance tournament ones? I'm just waiting for the first one to put Dick Butt on there. Exactly, like yeah, that's gonna happen, and it's like, uh, and, then, and they're gonna sneak it in somehow, and it's gonna, you know, and then it's gonna get laughed at, and it's just like, but whatever, you know, it's one person's immersion is not Eve, so whatever. There is also something to note, which is that if you are using something as a market. Um, it's not five days because if you, if the, if the place gets attacked as, as, um, uh, as Nullaber said last time he was here, if the place gets attacked, you 24 hours before the first reinforcement. And after that first reinforcement, it shuts off all of the services. Uh, if, if they fail to protect it in that first reinforcement. So it might so, be long. And that those services remain shut off until the end of the week. So it's six days of no no services to that uh, citadel, and then it gets destroyed, and then there's asset safety. So so Marshmallow points out that she wants to hear from uh, Rivera about uh, taste, <laughs> since apparently men don't have good taste, <laughs> which I can probably agree with. I have no idea about taste, but I was going to say something about um, something Nullable said, um, talking about uh, citadels and structures and... Uh, playing back on what you were saying about how you don't like seeing the, the dolls dancing around outside the Orgrimmar auction house. Um, Nullivore said uh, the other day in Slack that 
Um, he was all romantic, and I'm just going to grab his direct quote. He said, I want you to jump into the system and have the sky light up with all sorts of structures doing different things. Some attackable, some not, depending on the time of day. Some requiring huge fleets to take down, some a small gang and harass. You guys talk about space cities. I'm thinking about cities that span across a solar system. And I think that's where they're heading with it, with all the different structures. And I, I actually quite like that vision that they have. See, I actually, I, I agree with you that I like that vision, but I'm not sure if if what they're announcing matches that because they've already taken one of the structure or two of the functions that we expected two different structures for and we're getting one structure for it. And then also they're saying that basically the Citadel kind of style is is the basic style that we're going to get. And so it kind of makes me wonder because if you've got the Citadel, which is military, and then you've got the industrial, which is industry, like what other what what are the other things going to function like um which is i think is still a big question and i wonder whether or not like because they they said that we can fit those modules so eventually citadels could do industry just not as good as industrial platforms and so i wonder with that homogenization if we really are going to see city, like sprawling cities or are you going to just see two or three and call it good i mean i i think that the uh the the industrial structures, the difference between them and doing it in a citadel will, will be convenience. If if you need to build a ship in a hurry, then you'll do it. Might do it in your citadel because you're not. It's more defensive, so you're at war or whatever. <clears throat> but if you need to build for profit, then you'll use the correct structure. And they haven't ruled out bringing out uh, another uh, research structure. Um, they only bought. They only combined the two so that we could have uh, the indus industry and research out at the same time. Yeah, in fact, in the in the structures roundtable, they explicitly said, "Yes, we're doing one now, but our intention is to break it out into two in the future." Oh, good. And, I didn't. I didn't catch that. I, that fixes my problem. And just to tease Drayden a little bit, if I'm not entirely mistaken, I think when all of them are sort of rolled out, or at least a lot of them are rolled out, this will tie directly into soft because Citadel seemed to be not just the central hub. It, it, it seems to be the one that's going to be the most defensible. It's going to be the one that you have to take down to really make an impact on the soft ownership. And then all these scattered entities, regardless of whether you have to actively deny them. I, I'm pretty sure that they're tying it into soft in a way that is a lot like the symbiosis or the synergy between what we have now and what we had before. So we're going to see some sort of active structure grind. You have to take down these structures to get soft. All right, so let's uh, let's wrap up the topic. I did want to ask Neville uh, one more question. If, are, at Eve University, are they going to put up uh, a Citadel? I am not a director of Eve University. I have no way of knowing, and the answer is probably yes. Do you think it'll get taken down right away from your experience with Eve University? Yes, it will, and it will be a learning experience, and everyone <laughs> will cheer, and they'll do it again. So awesome. just wait. All right, guys, uh, if you don't have any more comments on this, let's just um, go around the board. The and first you guys... Citadel should be named Prince. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said Iturbium, but Prince okay. Prince for the symbol. <laughs> yeah, that's for the symbol on it. I don't know uh, if that's in the Unicode, sta Unicode standard. I'll, I'll give you guys, it's not necessarily a shout-out, but if there's something that you want to plug or if there's something that, uh, you know, it's your soapbox for a few seconds, and we'll just start with Lockfox and go around. Uh, so I guess just tune into the Eve Prosper show. We're live on Fridays at 0300 at Eve Prosper. Uh, that'll get you to Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, and our blog. Uh, we're going to be trying to get a little bit more content out uh, this May, so get get subbed. Great. Neville? 
I uh, want to say uh, hello to all my new corp mates in the Signal Cartel. Uh, thanks for welcoming, it, welcome, welcoming me aboard. And also, I want to encourage everyone to read my blog at nibblesmith.com. I second that. Uh, I personally want to thank uh, Caleb and Riva and Lockbox for joining us. Thanks for giving us a, a, a you know a whole new dimension to Eve uh, that's normally not covered on you know most uh, media shows and stuff like that. Thank you for coming, and we're going to have you back at some point. Ash. Yeah, I don't really have much to say besides uh, I do plan on coming back to uh, being a very m much more active leadership role in Eve. So watch this space. Um, other than that. Uh, no, actually, I got nothing besides. Oh, we do have uh, a, a uh, lore update uh, that we're recording tomorrow for Hydrostatic. We've actually downgraded it from a lore panel to a lore update. Um, that is partially because we actually expected a little bit more lore information out of FanFest than we got. And so I feel like there's not quite as much information as we thought there would be. And a lot of the stuff that we were talking about in the last FanFest, or sorry, lore panel, you know, we don't really want to just rehash. Um, but also, we want to spend a little bit of time to make sure we give like the most accurate content as possible for, for what we do have. So we've changed it from a lore panel tomorrow to a lore update. Expect to see, see that soon. Um, and then uh, we are also thinking about like what the long-term goals are of the lore panels and lore updates for uh, Hydrostatic Podcast. So expect to hear me asking for feedback. And if you do have feedback, please... Um, Tweet me at Asherathi um, and let me know what you think, what you do and don't like. Go ahead, Drayden. Uh, yeah, I'll just plug Obacoms. Uh, this is a show Dirk and I and uh, BC uh, Chocolate Rain Scare Panda do on Thursday night, same time as this show. It's what, 0100 Eve? I think it's like 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern, 6 Pacific. Uh, it's a drinking show, so uh, bring some drinks. <laughs> and apparently it has a name now. Yeah, we have a name this time. I, I got or he it. remembers it. Yeah, I, I got it right. I, it was it was a rough last night. I just want to thank everybody who came tonight. This is uh, this was. I'm gonna just be perfectly honest. This was my most enjoyable show that we've done so far. Um, I think we had wow. a really interesting conversation uh, that we don't normally get a chance to hear. There's a lot of times we hear about PvP. There's a lot of times that we hear about kind of those glitzy things that are out there. Uh, but this is the shit that's going on behind the scenes out there. I think it's you know, I think it's great. I want to thank everybody that came here tonight. I want to thank the listeners for being uh, you know you know so active in the chat and, and participating. I, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, we did okay. We ended up with 270 people watching live. There'll be a lot of people listening to the podcast, uh, which we'll put out in the next day or two. Uh, so that's a really good sign because the topic was very high, high level, high minded, but I think uh, people are still interested in it. And, uh, and that's really amazing because uh, normally people just need to know like what to shoot. You know, what do I aim and press F1 at? Also, Neville, thanks very much for showing up. We appreciate your view. We'd like to have you back on the show in the future too, if that's all right. Thanks for having me. I'd love to come back. Great. Uh, okay, guys, and thanks for watching. Uh, we'll have this out in podcast pretty soon. And anything else? Am I missing anything? Watch open comms. All right. Uh, no, we got Drunk Canadian coming up next playing uh, Kerbal thank you. Space Program. Kerbal. Oh, thank you very much. All right, so let's hand it off to Drunk Canadian. Stick around for him. He's got a great show, great personality. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.